Indispensable is a podcast focused on hearing about the business truths, tools, and tips others can't do without. After interviewing hundreds of people for their LinkedIn profiles and talking with thousands of people looking to use professional platforms more strategically, I've had the pleasure of meeting and getting to know people that lead, create, and engage within their companies and in their communities with great intention, abundance, focus, and sheer grit. I want to share their stories so that you can gain insight from a variety of people, not just the podcast and tech rock stars that have become household names. Rather, let's focus on the people whose stories influence those around them, and maybe even you. Everyone has indispensable truths, tools, and tips, even if they haven't realized it yet. And while this podcast isn't about LinkedIn and how to use it, it may weave its way in from time to time. It is, after all, our favorite platform for networking and doing business. Come, join us, and get to know some of my colleagues, clients, friends, and neighbors. Welcome, everyone, to episode 17. I can't believe we're already on episode 17. I feel like we just started Indispensable, the podcast about the business truths, tools, and tips you can't do without. Today, we have Jody Hume, who is a leadership strategist. She is a co-host of one of my very, very, very favorite podcasts. I'm not a laugh out loud person, except when I'm listening to Jody Hume and Elliot Wagenheim. <laughs> and she's also a facilitator and leads roundtables of executives and business owners. So we're really lucky to have Jody today. She has had some kind of whirlwind year, but she's made some time to spend with us this morning at our Zoom studio. And so here <laughs> we are. So welcome, Jody. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So Jody, tell us a little bit about what you do, because I've just mentioned you do a whole bunch of things. And how do you define your role? Yeah, historically, that has been uh, the most terrifying and awful question a person can ask me. It usually takes me a really long time to say it, but uh, I'm actually, I have an almost good sort of concise answer now <laughs> um, because I, I do do a lot of, it, it shows up in a lot of different ways. I, I facilitate leadership team conversations. I host these roundtables. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work with leaders, um, kind of facilitating the conversation they're having in their own head. And that sometimes looks more like business therapy, sometimes business consulting, um, and even something that I call kind of uh, like business couples therapy. But so it sounds like a lot of different things, but ultimately it all gets back to this one kind of methodology, this construct of conversation, which is uh, my, one of my favorite phrases is eat the fish, spit out the bones, um, separating kind of the truth of a thing from the fictions that we make up, either out of anxieties or fears or just the, the, like the clutter and swirl of there's so many things we're considering and thinking about all at one time. And it's kind of like I'm watching someone else parallel park their car. And my version of I see dead people is I can, I can ask the right questions to help separate kind of, you know, the, the really important truth that you really have to decide about a thing from everything else, which could be decisions that are actually eight steps down the road or could just be a fear or could just be something you're trying to avoid. Frankly, sometimes people are just tired. Um, and you know, if you're run down and exhausted, you can't make a decision. And so that diagnostic process of getting to the bottom of a thing and helping a person see what the, the right first next step is, um, 
so that they can go take action and be on their way is, is, is really what I do across the board. Is that a Jody Hume methodology, right? How have you gotten to really hone <laughs> in on that, right? I mean, at this point, it's definitely, I, I think, a, a Jody Hume-shaped methodology. Um, it's, it's not, it's not like I made it all up. I, um, some of it is just exactly who I was. I had a mom that uh, was an entrepreneur my entire life, and she involved me in her thought processes since I was tiny. I mean, I, I remember like five, six years old, her talking through issues that she was having with me and, um, and me like sort of saying, well, I don't think that's like, I mean, it sounds so funny, but I do remember sort of separating fish, fish from bones as a, as a tiny kid. So some of it I think is just who I am. Um, but then, you know, I went to college, started off as an engineering major, didn't know what I really wanted to do, ended up a psychology major. Um, and then I went, I ended up working at an architecture firm where like a lot of people, you know, I thought I was going to be there six months. I ended up being there 17 years and, uh, and starting this business on the side. But, but what was interesting is a lot of my work there was kind of operationally focused where this is the fascinating thing. Visions, but they weren't on the same page and they thought they were. And that was clear to me because I was outside of it. So I was facilitating those conversations as we grew from a eight or 10 person firm all the way up through almost becoming 50 people. So I got to hear the inner workings of growing a professional services company every single week and facilitate those conversations. And that was a powerful learning experience. Then I went and did some training and facilitation and coaching. And I started this business on the side and did both for a while, but now I do it full time. So, And just want to share, we've known each other for a number of years mm -hmm. <laughs> and you always have a smile on your face. Um, you always find some levity in the conversation and yet you have these hard conversations with some really powerful people that I know, right? Like people yeah. who run big companies and who a lot of people are afraid of or intimidated by. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. true, right? And I have a weird ability to, um, although I don't think it's a weird ability. I, I, I think it's actually something that, that can be done relatively easily. Like speaking truth to power, I find is something that big, powerful, scary people are often really relieved to have, um, I, to have somebody who will look them in the eye and say the hard things. And this is going to sound really corny, and I'm going to use a word that doesn't happen in business very often, but I do it by digging really, really deep into love, actually. I have to have, like, I have to care more. About, I'm actually getting weirdly emotional saying that. <laughs> um, I find the place in me that cares more about the person and what they need to hear, then I care about my worry that they're gonna be mad at me or pissed off or leave the room or fire me. Um, and, and that takes some courage, but I have so much evidence that it always ends up being the right thing, that I, I cleave to that and I trust it and I say the things and they, they ultimately appreciate it. And it, to me, it's an honor to be able to be the person who will say the hard things and ask the hard questions. And we laugh a lot. That helps. <laughs> right. I mean, you have, and, and I think the other part of that is there's this really genuine piece mm -hmm. that, which is all of you that shows up. 
I mean, you know, every time I see you, it's, it's the same Jody, right? And, <laughs> and you can be like having a crazy day and having six projects on your plate. And I listen to the podcast enough to know you've got a lot, you're juggling a lot of different areas, yeah. and different projects, totally different parts of your brain too, right? Like oh, yeah. some of the work that you're doing it is sometimes <laughs> but you show up and you connect with people in a really meaningful way very quickly. Well, I think part of that is just being real. I mean, there's a reason, you know, we called the podcast, so here's my story, but the, the tagline could have honestly been our, our title. In fact, we've occasionally considered swapping it um, to, because the tagline is real, honest business. And part of the reason that we wanted to do that show was that there is so much about business that that is considered taboo to talk about. And by so much, I mean pretty much anything other than, hey, I'm fantastic and everything's great. And I just, I just don't have a lot of tolerance for that anywhere in my life. I don't, I don't want, life is too short to be like walking around pretending like everything's great when it's not. Or actually, you know, and the fascinating thing, the other side of real as well, not being allowed to say, look what I did. Like, check me out. This is pretty impressive. Like everyone should be super impressed with me right now because I just pulled off something amazing. You're not allowed to have either. Like you're just supposed to be super humble, but not upset by anything that happens. And I, I just think there's, there's so much damage done by everyone imagining then that it, I mean, the business world has been what people comment about social media forever. You know, like Instagram, you only see people's perfection. Well, that's how business has always been. And we were really tired of that. We wanted to talk about the things that are real because when you and I get together, when Elliot and I get together, we get together and we love hanging out with each other because we can say like, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a mess right now. And, and I'm barely holding it together. And then I wouldn't even say the wheels are going to come off the cart. I think I already lost one. Like, and I got to figure out how to pull it back together because both of us had conversations with people all the time, business owners and leaders who they always think they're the only one who's having this issue and they think they're a mess or they think they're bad or they think they're failing. And I'm like, dude, I hear this, like, sorry to, sorry to burst your bubble, but you're super normal. And this is something that like everybody deals with. And I think normalizing those things is really important for a million reasons. And I think it's important for the team to see that too, right? I have a very small team mm -hmm. and, Two of the three people on my, or, you know, two people on the team are my daughters. Right. <laughs> I, I, I can tap right into that whole episode you did on friends and family. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm kind of loaded yeah. up in that area. And yet, you know, they know all my idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. And there is a sort of um, inherent level of transparency that happens. But that has actually taught me to be more transparent with the other people on the team. Yeah, and here's the fascinating thing. I mean, I think what is so challenging about leadership and business, especially if you're more on sort of the entrepreneurial edge where there's a lot of uncertainty because you're not following some take tab B, stick in slot A, you know, path. Opposite things get to be true or opposite things have to be true at the same time all the time. And so everything we're talking about, I'll say dot, 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 and... It's also not really advisable to, you know, to share with your team every freak out, worry, the sky is falling moment. That's also not helpful. So, you know, you're having to transparency, authenticity, 
letting them see where the real problems are so they can help own solving them. Absolutely. And you're responsible for your emotional contagion. You can't be just freaking out every, every 30 seconds and you know, making people anxious and worried. So it is this interesting line to walk. And, and that's actually part of the service that I provide is uh, being sort of the place where um, you know, the offsite conversations that my one-on-one clients can have that they don't want to pour into the soup of their team of, you know, when they're having those, I just want to burn it all down days. Sometimes you need to just kind of get that out and have that conversation. They don't need to burn it all down, but they sure do need to walk through that process and have that conversation and, and, you know, better out than in. (laughs) That episode, I think there was almost pretty much a whole episode on how two things can be true at the same time. They're right. Opposite truth. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna try really hard to find that episode and put that in the show notes because that was such a great episode. And I always tell you this, but I'm always binging the show, right? So I'm either walking the dog or I'm driving down 95, and I'm kind of laughing out loud. And my neighbors are like, "Were you talking to me?" And I'm like, "No, I'm just talking." And I point to my AirPods, and I'm and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, I've got to tap into the Facebook group because I've got to comment on this." And and there's so much that is true. Like I can just see how so many of your listeners are thinking, uh, I can, I have an opinion on this or I just live this today because it is really, really authentic. Yeah. If we had an easy way to, and I, I have the same thing. I listen to podcasts and I want to do that thing. They're saying, Oh, you know, respond to this or send us an email or something, and, but you're always out doing things. It is, it is the, uh, the, the tough kind of a holy grail of podcasting is, is, you know, finding ways to engage with listeners because people listen when they're doing other things. So I, I wish that we could hear from more people. It would be, I would love to have that be a much, much, much bigger conversation of, uh, you know, just sharing these things that are just real and true and honest and, and one of the things that you mentioned when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, I think at your happy hour, your, so here's my story, inaugural happy hour, was how people know who you are now. Like when you brought up your mother, I was like, oh yeah, you talk about your mother all the time, right? Like, yeah. And how you leave these other people in. <clears throat> so as a result of your podcast, people really do feel as though they know you. Yeah, it's a re- it's actually really exciting for me because I I love intimacy. You know, I mean again, it's not a word you hear in business a lot, but I like to connect with people. And and I'm a little I mean I'm I'm somewhere in between being an introvert and an extrovert. I really love talking with people and and but because so much of the work now I do now is super intensely connected with people. By the time I get home, I'm like, and scene, <laughs> I'm done. Um, which my husband is a little relieved by because he's super introverted. And I used to come home and say, now let's talk. And now I'm like, <laughs> give me 20 minutes. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it, podcasting is a fascinating way to, I heard somebody say it, it's, it's a way to scale intimacy, which is so great because, you know, I'm not a person to go to a bunch of 200 person events and meet 25 people. And that's just not how my motor runs. And um, so being able to connect with more people is a really cool thing, except that I don't always know what's happening. (laughs) And um, so I've had the opportunity to meet some people that have been listeners that either I'd never met, or maybe I'd met once. There's a couple people in town that, you know, I had I had been introduced to, but we've never sat down and really talked and and met. And um, 
And so, you know, and and then one guy I got together with, I've never met in person. And it's just funny because I'll say like, well, my, you know, I have two kids. He's like, I know. I was like, oh, right. (laughs) That's weird. I forgot. Like, (laughs) so it's kind of, but it's a really powerful thing because you have this opportunity. And I'm sure your listeners are feeling the same thing. Like you have this opportunity to, through podcasting, for whatever reason, there's some theories as to why it's different than a blog post or a video or whatever. And I, you know, I don't, I certainly don't know the sort of air quote science behind it, but um, I think there's something about having someone in your ear when it feels like they're talking just to you um, and they're being authentic. That's the other thing, you know, there was, we had no interest in starting a, here are your 10 marketing things to try, or, you know, like, here's eight things you should do. Like that just wasn't interesting to us. We wanted to create more of those, that feeling of getting together with someone you trust and respect and can be yourself with and get to the bottom of what's really going on in your business. Cause that's, that's the thing for me until you get to the truth of a thing, your chances of fixing it or bettering it or evolving out of it are way harder. Not impossible, but it's going to be a lot harder work. And I'm just, I'm too impatient for that. (laughs) Well, and people need to hear about other people's victories and struggles, right? They really just need Uh to, because I've listened to your podcast and other podcasts and I'm a big reader and I'm reading and I'm like, and I'm, I was just starting an audible book last night and he basically talked about how his business idea came out of his recovery after having been diagnosed with diabetes one or, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was so interesting. And I'm like, the, the pivots that we find in our lives and our career are so important to like reflect on and think about, well, that pivot actually brought this change, right. Which brought these people into my life, which, yeah. And it, it, it just kind of all weaves together, right? And that's, you, you brought up two really important things that I think just get overlooked so often. You, so often you hear these stories of, you know, turns out that me, fill in the blank, uh, having that heart attack, getting fired, uh, my spouse leaving me, whatever it is, like some some not great thing. Turned out it was the most, you know, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. Blessings in disguise, you know, those kinds of stories. And they're told as if it was like a roll of the dice that like, oh gosh, I got so lucky. And it's, it's almost like a glitch in the operating system, I think, where I think we forget that we constantly get to make new and more decisions along the way. And, and also that sort of trust in the fact that if a thing wasn't working, that, that, that thing wasn't working like, and there's probably a better, like, and you can now move towards a better thing. So I think that's super important, but you also, you said, reflect on those, on those moments. There is some of the hardest work I have done is getting a really driven, powerful, super motivated leader type person, as you were talking about to pause when they have had great successes and actually notice that thing. Um, and, and reflect on it and enjoy it because there's such this tendency, especially as entrepreneurs, to always notice like what the next thing is. Like, we, and, and that's great. You need that. Like, again, two things true at the same time. You have to have that like never quite satisfied vibe if you're going to be a good entrepreneur. And there is so much lost if you don't notice how far you've come and and, and so that you can build on it. It's like, that's how you build these layers that you can sort of climb up the mountain on is by, 
by noticing like, hey, check me out. Look what I managed to pull off this year. <laughs> and celebrating those. Because after the podcast about your, you know, coming up on your 100th episode mm -hmm. and let's celebrating that, that whole conversation around that was so interesting. I'm like, wow, we are so bad at celebrating. That was the we, funniest thing ever because we I posted everywhere. Everywhere I have access to people, I posted, you know, tell me some of the, the you know, the great, the great routines you have for celebrating successes in your company or family or whatever. Crickets. I, I literally had no one respond with, with ways they celebrate successes. And, and, and I, I know that means there aren't none out there, but I just thought it was really funny. I'm like, hmm. I guess we're even worse at this than I thought we were. And, and we did a somewhat terrible, I mean, we were orchestrating that, I won't say months in advance, weeks in advance, and we almost kind of blew past it without actually pausing to celebrate. Um, so anyway, it's just a really funny, but a lot, you know, and you can do it. It's not like, you know, business crumbles if you don't, but you really miss out on some important nutrition of the growth process if you don't have those pauses. Well, we started a Google Sheet on ways to celebrate oh, cool. and, and we're adding to it and some are little celebrations, right? You know, lunch from our favorite restaurant down the street, you know, and we do a lot of that to bigger things. And just this morning we talked about, okay, we, we've had a lot of good things happen recently and transitions and moment. And, and it's absolutely time to reflect, reset, emerge test right new yeah. smooth and yeah. whenever you have a person one person leave the team you the dynamic changes so you you, you yeah. we're calling it resetting the energy right we have to reset the energy oh and but i thought that was such an interesting thing i'm like wow i'm kind of an optimistic person but i'm really bad at celebrating those milestones there's um there are two things there. Um, one, in our Facebook group, somebody mentioned a cool thing that I really loved, and I, I want to think of it kind of myself, even though someone did it sort of for her, which is when she started her business, a friend of, her, a friend of hers gave her, I think it was 12 maybe, of those tiny single-serve champagne bottles, and each one was, was tagged with like a thing, and it was like first repeat customer, first... Um, Oh, gosh, I can't remember what any of the other ones were, but that was one like things that happen in a business that you could so easily blow past. But because they were there, um, she had her eyes peeled for them and noticed and tried to always remember to, you know, catch them as they happened and, and celebrate them a little bit. And I thought, oh, like forced celebration. I love it. I like, love that. A week, small little internal thing. This week, um, I had the opportunity to do a half-day LinkedIn training with a company in northern New Jersey where they brought their entire sales team in from basically around the world. And mm -hmm. so we had people in South America, from South America, the UK, Europe, um, somebody from Asia, North America. Um, and they were doing spirit week oh. every day. They had a different celebration because everybody mm -hmm. was there. You walked into this building, which their office and you could feel the culture. You could feel the yeah. end. Like it was palpable, the energy. Yeah. They are just so about culture. And we walked in the training room. Everybody had an orange water bottle, right? Like 
It was thoughtful mm-hmm. how they put everything together. But it wasn't contrived like, hey, we're having a special meeting this yeah. week, right? It was just kind of woven throughout the building, the people's attitudes, how they greeted us when we walked in yep. the door. It was just like everything about them. I was like, it wow. is the tricky thing. You can't like, I mean, and not that you can't start it, but it, it is a thing that, you know, it ideally it's just baked into the culture of, you know, you have to start baking somewhere. So it's not like if you don't have it, you can't start, but you can't just automatically make it like super rah rah or people are like, yeah, whatever. Right. Like, <laughs> there's, that. there's a really cool exercise. I will, I will dig up and send you um, a colleague, friend of mine, Sean Driscoll has this end of year uh, reflection exercise that I do with my peer groups every single year. I do it for myself. And it's, it's so great. It, it's designed to do like December, like early December, or even like the end of November, where it, it's this reflection exercise. And then sort of it ties up into this really, really super simplified and focused, like just three action steps to use that last month of the year to wrap up just like very specific things, not start whole new endeavors. And because, and what I love about it is it takes your mind off the like, Oh, here's everything I didn't accomplish this year. And it makes you pause in a really thoughtful way and say like, Oh, okay. Like we actually, I have never done it where people don't finish and say, I kind of forgot that, you know, a year ago we were in this place and that we've solved like these five problems. And yes, now we have new problems. Yet another one of my favorite (laughs) favorite expressions, like every solution comes with a new set of problems or progress looks like a new set of problems. Like that's what business is. You solve one problem. You now probably have a different kind of problem. And if, if that's not fun for you, if you can't embrace that, like business is going to be harder than it probably needs to be, but, but kind of noticing like, Oh my gosh, look how far we've come. And now we get to tackle these new problems, but otherwise it just feels like this weight of never getting to the finish line. Absolutely. Right. And it's just always, it's like, to me, I look at it as though I'm turning the corner, right? Like, okay, now here we are. And, but it's such an opportunity to imagine where you want to be and think about how you get there. And you, you know, if you're going to be have a business of one or a thousand, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You just, I just, you know, I, I try to explain to people, people are like, oh my gosh, you love being in front of large groups of people. I do. But there's really actually never a day that I'm not outside of my comfort zone. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's the number of times I'm like, okay, here's a new <laughs> thing that I know nothing about. I have to go figure out. Um, but, but that's, but, but see that it, right there wraps right back to everything we've been talking about is I think there's a huge, huge, um, I can't even think of the word at the moment, a problem for lack of a better one with, or it's just like the, the gap is that other people imagine that not everyone is exactly like almost here's what I can tell you. I hear a lot of very private conversation. Almost no one knows what they're doing at any point. Like everyone's guessing. Everyone is making choices between a lot of super not great options, hoping it's not the worst one. I mean, it's a little bit like parenting, you know, parenting is this like giant guessing game where you don't always get feedback on whether it's the right choice or not, because you won't really know till the kid's grown up, whether that was a good decision or a bad decision. Now, some things are, you know, benchmark basic kinds of like rules you can follow just like in business, but a huge part of it 
is rolling the dice and hoping that you're right and knowing that you won't actually find out the results of your experiment until it's too late to fix it. <laughs> and that's kind of what business is like. And, and I think imagining that it's different than that is, is the, um, the kind of tragedy in the business world because I think it makes a lot of people think that they're not, that they are ill equipped mm -hmm. when they actually are just as equipped as the other people who are just kind of crossing their fingers and gritting their teeth and boldly stepping forward, but they don't know any more than you do. Exactly. I think that is such a great way to look at it. And I, and I think you just have to be okay. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. I remember when I started in tarot, um, my mother-in-law was probably 97 at the time. She's now, she's going to be 102 in a couple of months. And wow. she said to me, just keep walking through the door. If Aww. it's just open just a tiny bit, just walk through it and just see yeah. where you're going to go, right? And so yeah. I have always had this picture, like going around a corner, walking through a door. Those are like the like the, the very tangible pictures I see in my head, I'm like, okay, open the door, go through it. The door's a little bit open, walk, just keep walking. And uh -huh. so many, so much of what happens to so many of us is we just get immobilized, right? Too many choices. I'm always big on constraints. You and I talked about that just before we started recording, having some constraints because you get creative within the constraints, right? And always so much better. And if you don't have constraints, you have to cr then create constraints. Otherwise, you will. See this, this the, that diagnostic thing we get back to. If somebody's swirling because they don't, sometimes it's because they don't have constraints. So therefore, you have to create them so that they have something to bounce off of. Just anything to get someone out of inaction. And every time I say that, I start to say, unless pausing is the right thing, but that's still a, that's still a choice. It's, it's still, still an action, action right? is that you discern clearly that now is not the right time to act. That's still different than I am stuck swirling in a circle and I don't know what to do and I'm wasting a lot of time and energy trying to figure out which way I should go. It's still a decision to say, you know what, this is, this is the pause moment. This is the, the uh, what's that yoga pose, the savasana, um, you know, the end of yoga. This is that pause in the middle place that this is not the time to take action. That's still a choice. Um, but when, when someone is swirling, I mean, the worst thing you can do to me is take me to like, Denny's or one of those places with 27 page menu. I'm just like, oh, I don't, I don't know what I want. Too many choices, too many choices. Um, so yeah, anything you can do to kind of narrow the focus or just find that, like what is the clear thing to take action or decide now is not the time to take action and just take the next step. I, I've, it's funny. I am, um, it's, it's not that I will boldly walk into situations, but it's, it's not courage at all. It's almost like a weird glitch in my operating system because I remember being in uh, second or third grade and the teacher um, say, holding up a mimeograph, dating myself here, um, mimeograph and saying, does anybody know how to use the mimeograph machine? And I raised my hand and said, I do which was a complete bold-faced lie. I had no idea how to use that. I don't, I don't know why I said it. It was, just, it was just like this gut reaction. And she handed it to me. I just wanted to be the one to go to the teacher's lounge and do the thing. Like, that's what, that's what got me excited. So I, I went in there, and I remember stepping into the teacher's lounge and actually having this, like, and then I could tell this story, like, 20 other million ways in my life. This happens all the time. Where all of a sudden I had this, like, I, I, I moment of, like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know which one is the mimeograph machine. Like I certainly not how to use it, but 
I walked around. One of them had like the, remember they were like damp and purple, those things? Yeah, absolutely. One, one of them had a mimeograph, like an extra one sitting there. So I knew that was the right machine. And it had this round thing. I'm like, well, it must go on there. I figured it out. I only had like one button. I, I figured it out. I made the copies. I came back. And because I have this weird tendency to just like without thinking at all, saying yes to things, over time I learned I got the feedback to learn that like, guess what? This isn't like a, it's not because I'm great at things. I just learned that lesson that if you just do a thing, you're, you're kind of figure it out. Like it might not be perfect. Like I may have, they may have been not quite right. I don't know. Um, but you're going to, you're nine times out of 10, you're going to figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, you'll figure out how to figure it out. Or you'll go worst case, you go back and be like, I couldn't figure it out. Sorry. <laughs> I made that up. Um, but, you know, and the end of the day, it's, it's not that big of a deal. And so I try to, I try to, to sort of share that wisdom with people that you, you're pro you probably don't have to be as careful with your choices as you think you do. There, there, I don't really think, I mean, there are certainly some wrong decisions or bad decisions or wrong paths to go down, but I don't think there are nearly as many as most people think. Just move your chess piece and then play the chess game that rolls out from there. And you'll be better off than if you just sit. I mean, there's a reason chess matches have that little timer, <laughs> right? Otherwise they exactly. would sit there forever trying to figure it out. So you got to give yourself a timer of some kind to just move the chess piece. I love that. And now I've I'm going to switch that one before. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, you know, I, but I think about you going into that room. I picture you going into that room and you basically did what you talked about earlier, isolate, Right, you, yep. there was a selection. Like, okay, it's that machine. Okay, sure. now, now, what's the next piece? And you just break it down. And I was deeply motivated by the terror of not wanting to have to go back and say, "I actually don't know what I'm doing," <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a big motivator for me. So it, it worked out. But you know what? That works. So <laughs> if your weird quirks work for you, stick with them. <laughs> stick with them. Absolutely. <laughs> If you weren't doing the work that you're doing, mm -hmm. what would you be doing? You know, I would probably, I mean, the, the thing, the way my brain works applies in a lot of different ways. You know, I mean, I, I could have been, I, I was, I was really enjoying the IT tech part of my job or the operations part. I do enjoy that. Uh, we just did an episode this week, actually, with Joe Natoli. I don't know if you know him, but he's- I know, I know who he is. Yeah, yes. He's a user interface guy. And uh, I've often thought, um, just because of my my high level of intolerance for inefficiency of things, that user interface would have been an excellent resource of my skills. Because not only is there this like get to the bottom of like what are you actually trying to do, not just how do we make this prettier or whatever, but I I have a really short fuse for having to, you know, extra steps in a thing that, that don't need to be there. And I'm really good at that kind of organizing and making things super simple. I, for our hundredth episode, I spent more time than I'm even willing to admit just making it easy for people to, to do the two things we wanted them to do. Because as you know, one thing we wanted them to do was just like click on this thing and, and subscribe. But if I just put a button, if I use the iTunes link, then if someone was on an Android, they couldn't get to where we were going. And if I use the and if I leave them three things, then they're going to be confused and not everybody knows. And then there's 20 other oh oh oh, and this is even worse. If they're on a computer, you can't send them to some place to subscribe. They can go listen, but they can't subscribe to iTunes or Android that way. And so it, it 
like I didn't, that wasn't, I, was, I wasn't satisfied with that. So I ended up, um, and there's a second version of that where if you have like a Facebook link, and you've probably seen this, if you click it on a mobile device, it takes you to the browser to log into Facebook. I don't even know what my Facebook password is. You know, Absolutely. so if I get to that point, I leave. And so people would leave. So I searched and searched and searched and I found sort of like, you know, SaaS programs. There's one called Smart URL. I don't even remember what the other one was for the other thing. I found ways that when people clicked, it took them to the thing that I needed them to go to so that it was easy. So I think I would have really enjoyed a career in user interface. I would have geeked out on that a lot. <laughs> because, you know, there is a part of you that is a little bit of a geek, right? Like oh you God. definitely have like this productivity. We haven't even talked about any of the productivity stuff. No, but you should I see, know that about you. I spent my last, last Saturday, uh, I had some things cancel and I had the day to do whatever I wanted. And I ended up geeking out on this spreadsheet model for a client. I mean, keep in mind, most, a lot of times I'm having like very emotional, like personal conversations. Um, and then I also get, and that's the thing. I'm a, I, my brain, I need both right brain and left brain stuff to feel like that's the nutrition my brain needs is both those things. And if I have all of one or the other, it, I, I get out of balance. And, um, it was like, I needed some of that, that, uh, just was that the left brain yet yeah, more like left brain spreadsheety. I can geek out on a spreadsheet, like nobody's business. <laughs> and I was so happy with it when it was done. It was like artwork for me. <laughs> There's something really great about that. And, and I can say that you're geeking out on that because I am a big geek with apps and mm -hmm. I love, love all my apps. And I was in this training the other day and they were like, oh my gosh, do you use a lot of apps? I'm like, just, you don't even want to know. You don't even want to know, but here are my top three. But here's right? the funny thing to me. And that's why it's all one big thing. The reason I geek out on spreadsheets and I love them is not because I like math. I mean, I, I find it very satisfying, but the, the reason that I geeked out that day was that it, it, it's a tool that I can use to make the invisible visible for people. The, the reason that was so important to me to that day is there's this really complex thing that a bunch of very different kinds of people have to be able to understand. And there was prior to that day, there was just a really high chance that it was not going to be able to be communicated in a way that people would feel comfortable about that. And there were going to be some very high stakes to their lack of comfort with that thing. So being able to manipulate that tool in a way that I could take something really complex and make it very easily understandable, again, to separate, like to quell those fears, because if they don't understand it, they're going to be, a, they're going to be anxious about something. And then everything else from there was going to be harder. So if I could explain this thing in a way that people could get, and that was only going to happen with a spreadsheet, then we could, we could get to where we needed to go. So again, it's, it's still all, it's a spreadsheet, which is different, but it's still the same thing. So that really takes us into just our really our last question. What are some of the tools that you can't work without? I bet there's a lot of, I mean, the work that you do is both tangible through tools like Excel or being able to tell the story, but it's also this all this emotional piece. And I don't know that there's really tools as much as there are truths yeah. related to that. I'll tell you that there are, uh, these aren't, so I could tell you all about, I've, I've fallen really in love with uh, like the, the Google apps side of like spreadsheets and be, because I can share, like we can work on it together and you're not sending it back and forth. So all the fun of a spreadsheet, but you're not 
accidentally sending them back and forth and back and forth and mixing and matching. Have so, ten versions. Yeah, mixed. ten versions. And we can both be in it at the same time and be, you know, editing and showing each other things. And so I've, I've really come to, to be very fond of those. Um, and my favorite tool is a very simple one, which is just my calendar. I use it for, it keeps, I, I make myself put things on the calendar um, because otherwise, it, because it keeps me honest about my time. Like if, if I can't fit, you know, the things into the calendar that I have to acknowledge the fact that I probably can't do them that day. <laughs> so I don't put every little thing, but I do put lots and lots that aren't just appointments in there to make sure that my day is honest from a time standpoint. Um, so there's that. But the thing, there are two things that I've come to really rely on as tools when it comes to facilitating conversations, either with groups or just even with a person. And both of them stem directly from the learning disabilities that I and my husband and therefore both of our children have um, from because of the way genetics work. Um, I often, I'm not technically dyslexic, but it's just easier to call it that. But I often have trouble thinking of the right word, like the, the correct word. And the way when I did my testing my senior year in college, because I could not pass a language. Um, the lady, one of the examples she said to me, she said, it's like your, your brain does a fresh internet search for the word every time you need it, and it can't always come up with it. So you might say things like a slice of paper instead of a piece of paper. She goes, it's not, it makes sense, but it's not the air quote right word. Um, and I do that. My brain often can't come up with the right word. And so A, I think in metaphor a lot or some symbolic words for things. Um, and, and two, I, I draw a lot to conceptual drawing. It's not pretty. It's not anything you'd ever frame, but it, but it creates a concept that we're working off of. And so I do that for me, frankly, when I facilitate, because I also, all of everyone in my family has, um, it's not short-term memory, it's working memory issues. If I don't write a thing. I will not be able to remember what that thing was like five I, I won't be able to, I'll be like that thing we talked about it was like a person and I can tell you how it felt I don't know it's weird <laughs> it's like but I can't remember like what aesthetic right like right, right, right. so I write it for me frankly but what I came to learn was the first time you because you often learn from oops or not that the first time I facilitated in a place where I didn't have a place that I could write I you know it's early in my career I forgot to ask what the room was like and it was this like it was a room with there was stuff on every wall and furniture in front of every wall so I couldn't even get to the walls even if I took down a picture or something so there was no place I could write and have a, a what I've now come to just short version is sh a shared visual um, because if you remember, like I was doing these things for me to describe it or so I thought. Um, and that was when I realized how important it is for everyone in the room, because at the end of the day, while words are helpful, they are incredibly misleading. And if, if you take a simple word like freedom, like if, if a whole team says we want more freedom, well, for some people, freedom is time flexibility. And for other people, it's financial stability. And then there's sort of a slightly different one, financial independence, which is different than financial stability. Those, so even if you say financial freedom, that's still not necessarily the same thing. And so the likelihood that people think they understand each other and that they are deciding on a thing and they are not mm -hmm. <laughs> is so high. But if you have this shared visual, it is so much harder to be on different pages and you don't actually have to define a thing to be able to point to it and, and say like, well, remember we're, we're focused over here. Like we're just trying to figure out this thing and then we'll go figure out that thing. So as I'm trying to help people separate 
separate things that for them are just one giant conglomerate of facts and concerns and worries and oh yeah, but then we have to worry about that because that's what business is. There's so many things to think about. Um, having that shared visual has been um, like I, I can't do without it. I won't do without it. And so that's that's absolutely my my biggest uh, my my biggest tool that that I use is creating that shared visual so that we're all on the same page. I think that is so invaluable for everybody to really think about. And, you know, I know, and I have listened to you so many times and you're always talking in metaphors and I'm like, how did you come up with that metaphor? And your words are usually words. I'm like, it's like poetry a little bit to me. I listen to your mm -hmm. words and they're rich. They're, they're, they're not vanilla words. They're great words. So you're, you know, obviously that's because you're you and you have this incredible vocabulary. Yeah. But, but, it, but it comes out of, uh, and then talk about what you were talking before about your sort of like oopses and mistakes. It, that comes straight out of the volcano of my inability to remember words that I need. Like, so I, I reach for words that feel like what I want what I want to say. And there's sometimes strange words to throw in, which I think is why they are sometimes more evocative words, like richer or deeper words, because they're sometimes a little bit unusual, which is like, I think the poet, like other people have said that, do you write poetry? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> They'll say, do you write song lyrics? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't do, I don't do any of that. Like I, I throw that creativity and just getting my point across all day long. Well, you don't write song lyrics, but you sing. <laughs> I, sing. I sing in a band. I sing. That is my therapy, singing in a band. <laughs> right. You have all this in your brain and you need something cathartic and you are, you know, yoga and you do these crazy races. Yeah. And we could spend, I don't know, another hour or two or three chatting. And we and have, you and I. <laughs> we have. We go for very, very long lunches when we do. We don't do them often, certainly not often enough. But I so appreciate you spending time with us. Tell us where we can find you. Where are the easiest places to find Jody Hume? Well, you can find me at jodyhume.com, which is just J-O-D-I-H-U-M-E. Um, but it's also very easy to find everything that's um, that is probably more relevant because I don't do a lot on that website. <laughs> been sitting there for a long time. Um, so here's my story.com is the podcast. Um, that is, that is really where I'm throwing most of my energy these days. Um, you can hear all my most current thoughts there. Um, so it's just, so here's my story.com. Great. Absolutely. On LinkedIn too. You yeah, are on LinkedIn. Yes. Right. When you start to participate, listen to, um, so here's my story. They also have a Facebook, Facebook group. We do. Right? Yep. You can find that if you go to the, um, on Facebook, there's a, so here's my story page. And then there's, that's probably the easiest way is you can find a link right there on that main page. It says visit the group and you can pop in there and uh, participate in the group, which is just such a fun way for us to actually get to hear. I mean, Ellie and I certainly have no problems hearing ourselves talk, but it's so much more fun when we get to hear back from other people what they think. And they have so much, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we're starting the conversation, but they bring so much more to it after the fact. And that's, that's what we wanted. You know, we're not, we're not there to sort of preach our guru thoughts. We just want to catalyze conversations about things that aren't being talked about much. Well, I think hopefully people will be going, checking you out. Thank you so much for spending time with us. This Thank has been you. such a joy to have you and talk with you. Always, always. Thanks so much, Colleen. And that's all for Indispensable. Thanks for joining us. We hope to catch you on our next episode. 
grab our show notes, review them, check out the links included, and head over to enteroadvisory.com to learn more about the work that we do in our community and with our clients. 